I am grateful today for the opportunity to stand before you. I, um, I will have to confess I feel woefully inadequate for what I'm going to attempt to do today. But I hope that God will help you. I've read about uh, the Rocky Mountains as a child and as a teenager. I had heard about their majesty, but I will have to admit to you that reading about it and experiencing it are two different things. I will never forget the first time that I stood at the top of Mary Jane in Winter Park, Colorado. Anybody know where that is? Any ski buffs here? Amen. At the top of that mountain and looking out over that vast expanse of ranges that just went on and on and on and then went to the ultimate place. They call it the Parisian Bowl. It was above Timberline and it was so cold that when I touched my sunglasses, they fractured and shattered in my hands. And you say, what do you want to do up there? Well, you just have to go to experience it. But uh, standing there and looking at all of that beauty, words were not adequate. Majesty, wonder, uh, those they, they seem so inadequate to describe what you are experiencing. And I, it was the same feeling that I had when I stood at Niagara Falls. I had read about it and heard about it. But again, until you stand there and watch those waters roll over that cliff, and I'm talking about ceaseless, millions and millions of gallons that pour over that precipice and they never stop. I, I, I looked at that and it was so mesmerizing. You literally feel yourself being drawn to that edge just because of the powerful uh, movement and, and the beauty, the wonder, the rainbow, the mist. And I, I could talk to you about it, but if you've never really stood there and experienced it, you don't know the full meaning of what it is and the beauty that, that it uh, expresses and it declares and the majesty of God that he was so creative that he could put mountains and he could put falls and he could put rivers in their place and allow us to enjoy those things. Uh, there's nothing like being there and experiencing it. Well, I'm going to talk to you this morning about something that it's difficult to talk about as it is, but unless you've experienced it, you can't fully comprehend the depth of it. I'd like to direct your attention to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 10. And I want to emphasize for just a few moments some of the things that the writer was trying to convey to this church and to us. Uh, in, in these closing words of the first book of Peter, first chapter, 
chapter 5, first book, chapter 5 and verse number 10. It reads, but the God of all grace. Everybody say that with me. The God of all grace who hath called you. He has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Amen. I want to read that one more time just for emphasis. But the God of all grace, all grace, everybody say all grace, all grace. So grace must be multifaceted. It must have more layers to it than I, than I often see. The God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that you have suffered a while make you perfect, establish Strengthen, settle you. Everybody said in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the ministry of grace. The ministry of grace. I want to help somebody understand a little more about God today than maybe you at this moment, fully understand more about what God is up to in your life and in my life. So much has been said about grace and so much could be said about grace. And no matter who does it, nobody is sufficient to expound the depth of grace. It is God's unmerited favor. It is God's unearned goodness. Nothing that you and I have done, can do, will do, will ever in any measure make his grace greater or lesser in my life. His grace. You know, we talk about Grace and the importance of grace, but we always talk about it in how it relates to us. But the reality is grace is more fundamentally about God than it is about us. It's a window in which we see the heart of God toward his people and his creation. Grace is one of the most important concepts in all of Scripture. And I don't think anybody can fully understand or grasp or comprehend the totality of its meaning. But every day you can experience a little more of it. Every day you can see another facet of it. Every day you recognize its work in your life. God, his uncoerced initiative toward me. Nobody was twisting his arm. 
Nobody was making him do it. Nobody was forcing him to this decision. Nobody was trying to produce something uh, that was not of his will. This is his will. It is his desire. It is his heart toward you and I. And it is uncoerced. It is not something that he feels compelled to do. It is something that he wants to do. Amen. You know, you get people to do a lot of things in life because you compel them. You know, you put enough pressure on them. They'll finally line up and do what you want them to do. But this had, there there was no circumstances that were compelling him to do this. He said it like this. While you were yet in sin, Christ died for you. While you were wallowing in your filthiness. And God was not even close in the proximity of your thinking. He did that for you. He died for you. He died to show his love and his grace and mercy toward us. His inescapable, pervasive, extravagant, lavish care and favor of us is encapsulated in that word grace. It is the demonstration of his love toward us in actions that can change our life. Grace is intended to alter the path that we are traveling down. Amen. Grace is intended to change the trajectory of my life. It is designed to alter the outcome of my life. Amen. Somebody ought to thank God there's a little grace in your life right now. Amen. That in spite of all your mess-ups and all your mistakes and all of your bad choices and poor decisions, God loved you enough that in spite of all that, He just keeps on being who He is. A God of mercy a God of goodness, a God of grace. He just keeps pouring out toward us these things that we don't deserve and continually gives to us what we are not worthy of. Amen. It's God moving heaven and earth to save the sinner. Amen. The Bible said that heaven rejoices over one sinner. We don't make a big deal if somebody comes to the altar on Sunday. But if we have 40 come to the altar, we put it all over Facebook. But heaven throws a party when there's one man or one woman that recognizes what God's trying to do in their life. They realize that God is present in their midst and he's there for them. Amen. He's there for their needs. He's there for their situation. It involves God robing himself in flesh and descending into my hell that I can experience his heaven. Amen. That's mercy and grace. Amen. Every day we live, we live by the grace of God. Amen. Even when we don't recognize it, and some of us are so ignorant right now, and I don't, I'm not attacking your intelligence, I'm just saying we're so unaware 
that God's grace is even working. But it is right now. Even in our stubbornness, even in our rebellion, even in our hate, even in all of the stuff that goes on in our minds and in our life, His love keeps on working and His grace keeps on coming. Amen. His His desire toward me cannot be it cannot be held back and it cannot be restrained. He just keeps pouring out forgiveness and mercy and salvation, all of it wrapped up in his his good pleasure. Amen. My life is rich today because of his grace. Amen. My life is rich because of his grace. Amen. No wonder the writer said it was amazing grace. Amazing grace. John Newton, who wrote that, if I remember correctly, his life, and I think you have heard his story, it was anything but one that deserved that kind of goodness. But God looked beyond all of the bad stuff that he was doing and all of the things that he was involved in and robbing people of their freedom so that he could market them and make money off of them and and exploiting people's weaknesses for his advantage. And yet mercy and grace just kept following him through every channel of the sea and into every port and out of every port until it finally it was able to corral him. And when it finally dawned on him what God was trying to do in his life, he said, oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen. I'm thankful that my life has been favored with grace. Amen. Some of you don't think it has been, but it has. If God were to take that one element away from your life, it would spiral immediately into chaos beyond anything you could imagine. It's only God's grace that's holding back some of the stuff that already be, ought to already be on you right now. But grace said, no, 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 no. Aren't you thankful for grace today? Aren't you glad that God, when He looks at you, He doesn't look at whether you merit it or not. He doesn't look at whether you're worthy of it. He doesn't look at whether you've climbed high enough up the ladder to deserve what He's going to do. He just does. When you're down at the very bottom and you're in the pit of hell, mercy and grace reaches all the way down into that hell that you're living in and pulls on you and said, come on, you're better than that. Come on, I want to help get you out of that. I want to help give you purpose and meaning in your life. Amen. Grace simply reveals what God wants to do for you and I. What He wants to do on a daily basis. So many different ways. So many different uh, opportunities. So many things God wants to do this morning in this service. In our text, Peter gave us a glimpse of grace and God's grace in its many dimensions and its many ministries. He defines it as the God of all grace, all grace. When I read that the other day, I I thought how much that encompassed all, all, everything, every 
every kind of person, every kind of personality, every kind of disposition, every kind of locality, every kind of problem. Grace covers all. Amen. What do you and I not understand about that word all? Everything. You said, but... I, you, you, you don't know what I've done. Oh, I don't have to know what you've done. God already knows what you've done. But in spite of you doing it, he said, hey, I've got something for you that's better than your sin and better than your failure. I've got something that I want to do for you. I want to give you some unmerited favor. Amen. How many of you have been promoted Unmeritoriously. I don't know if that's a word or not, but we just made it up. If the Urban Dictionary can make up words, then Mark Hughes can make up words. There's not a one of us in here that have the job we have because of poor performance. You don't get elevated up the food chain in this life without having proven something. You don't get good in this world unless you become good. But in God's world, you don't have to get good to get God. You need God so you can get good. Yeah. Yeah. You... You're not here because of what all you've done and all the little merit badges you have hung on your chest today. You're here because down at the root of who you are, it's just an ugly sinner. It's just a vile, corrupt being that is that that is living in, in in opposition to what God represents. But God's grace, it just keeps on coming. God's grace keeps on smothering me. God's grace keeps on hovering around me, saying, come on, son. I made you for something better than that. I made you for higher places than that. I made you for a greater purpose than that. That's what his grace does. Amen. It's like a fountain of infinite compassion, mercy, goodness, love, forgiveness. And it's like that Niagara Falls. You can stand there for an hour, two hours, or two days, or ten days, or ten years, or ten hundred years. And it's still flowing. Still, still flowing. You say, oh, but isn't there an end to it? Not of His grace there isn't. Man, His grace, it's like a a diamond you hold up into the sun and, and every time you turn it, there's a different color and a different hue and a different glimmer and sparkle to it because it is so multifaceted. Grace is not just one thing. It's so many things. And, and Peter tries to open our eyes to understand some of those dimensions of grace. What grace is actually trying to accomplish in my life and in your life. What God's grace is trying to produce and the ministry of that grace in my life. What he is up to when he's trying to do all of this stuff. 
Amen. He's not wasting his effort. He's not doing it in vain. He's doing it because he knows that for most of you, there's going to be a positive outcome. He knows that some of you are going to get it today. That if it was not for God's grace, you wouldn't even be here today. And if you just start looking around, everywhere you look, you can see the hand of grace there and there and there. When that should have taken you out and that should have knocked you down. And when that hurt you so deeply and that ruined your future, God's grace was there. Bringing all those parts back together and said, No, it's not broken beyond repair. No, it's not fractured beyond healing. No, it's not too far gone that I can't help it. Amen. Amen. The Greek word is charis, which gives us an even greater glimpse of how great it is. And it simply means things that are rooted in provision. The root of grace is provision. Amen. God's supply. What God has prepared for us. Amen. Aren't you, don't, don't, don't you like things that have been prepared for you? I mean, they know you like this kind of butter, not that kind of butter. You like this kind of drink, not that kind of drink. You like ham, but you don't like turkey. You like uh, chicken, but you don't like beef. You like, and everything is set just to your particular taste. And God does that every day. He designs things for my life that have my taste, that have my needs and my desires and, and my whatever in mind. He designs all of that just, just for me. His grace toward me is unique in that it is appropriated to where I can only appreciate it because if you hadn't lived in my shoes and you hadn't been what I've been through, you couldn't understand why I love him the way I do. But the same ought to be true for you. That every day God's grace prepares, it provides, it, it, it produces, it's, it supplies, it prepares for us the things we need to get through what we're going through. Peter used a word here that we don't often associate with grace and blessing and favor. We don't associate with glory. And that's suffering. That's an ugly word. And yet, Peter incorporates that into this whole concept that God understands what you're going through. And God has supplied the means to help you get through what you're going through. That God has made a way for you to get through what you're going through. God has already foreseen the road ahead of you. And he knows exactly what you need to make it through what you're going through right now. And his grace is designed to do that very thing today. To help you in the areas where you need the help the most so that you can get to the other side of this thing called life and win. Amen. And be declared, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I think we ought to take a moment and just thank him for his grace right now. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I wish somebody would just let out a praise to Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for what I don't deserve, Lord. Thank you for what I cannot ever merit. And you give it to me anyway. Amen. You see, God has a remedy for all that I'm going through right now. Some of you don't think God knows a, has a clue about where you're at. He doesn't have any idea. He couldn't know where you are. There's too many other people for God to keep up with. But the fact is God knows exactly where every one of us are. Amen. He knows what we struggle with. He knows what we're battling. He knows the personal things that we went through this morning with ourselves. All the the struggles, the flesh saying, don't go to church, man. There's too many other things you could do today. Come on, this is your only day off. You might as well enjoy your time. And yet there was something on the other side that kept saying, you know what? I think I need what I could get there. I, I need what I could find there. I need what I could experience there. And thankfully that part of you went out. At least you're here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now God's trying to wake you up at where you really are. You're not just anywhere. You're not in a gymnasium. You're in his presence. And you're sitting at a table that he has prepared that has everything that you need supplied right there before you said, come on, come on, come on, take it. Come on, George. I thought about you this morning. I knew what you were. I saw what you battled yesterday. I know what you're facing tomorrow. And I've, I've set a table for you. Hallelujah. The grace of God. God's remedy for my present circumstances. Amen. God knows what I'm going through. And He wants me to pass the test. Amen. Some of you don't, I'm not sure you believe that because I think some of you feel like God is against you. God has something in for you. God's trying to exact His revenge out of you because of your mistakes and things you've said and things you've done. And so we live with this warped idea of God and we relate God, we relate to God like we relate to other people. If they hurt us, we hurt them. They talk about us, we talk about them. Oh, y'all don't do that, do you? I'm I'm sorry, I was talking to the wrong group of people. And so when we start thinking about God, we think about God in those terms. Well, you know what? You know, I, I know what I've done. I know what I am. I know where I've been. I know what I've said. I know what I've done. You know, you, I'm going to have to climb up a few steps before I can even get to where God can help me. And that's the problem with some of you. You're trying to get to a place where God can help you. And God's trying to tell you, I can help you right where you're at. I'm not going to leave you there, but I can help you right where you're at. In the mess you're in right now. In the troubles you're in right now. I I have an arm that's long enough to reach all the way where you are. And help get you out of that and put you on your feet. But you have to understand what I'm up to. Or you fight what I'm trying to accomplish in your life. You resist what has been sent to help. Man. You know, they say that one of the number one uh, things that doctors have to fight and battle in any transplant is the rejection of that part 
that was put in their body to make them better and help them get into a better position. And yet there's something about this body that doesn't want to accept even things that were sent to help us. We, we keep God out here as if God's going to hurt us or he's going to rob us or he's going to, he, he, he's going to do something to embarrass us. And all the time God's just saying, Hey, just, just, just let the gate down. Open that door a little bit. Let me come in. I have, I, I have something I can do for you. I have something I want to do for you. I have something I want to give you. I, I, you don't have to, you don't have to get to a place where you deserve it. You're never going to get there. I just want to do it because I know what I am. I'm a good God and I want to bless you. Amen. Amen. The fact is we all need grace every day. Because beyond our suffering, everybody say beyond my suffering, beyond all the stuff I'm having to go through right now, God wants to help me shout when it's all over. Amen. He wants to help me shout when it's all done. Amen. God, help me beyond this pain where I can get to the place where I can praise Him. Amen. That's what grace is wanting to do. That's the ministry of grace. It's to get you through what you're going through to where God wants to take you. And that's glory. Amen. Anybody want to go to glory? Anyone, it, did you, did you know you can live in a little bit of glory right here on this earth? That God has actually put a little bit of heaven in you when He gave you the Holy Ghost. He gave you a little glimpse of what heaven's gonna be like. And He said, I'm gonna give you a little bit of glory to live in now so that you'll know what heaven is really gonna be like. Man, he tells us what his grace would like to accomplish. This is what God wants to do for us. He said, first of all, he wants to make you perfect. Now that, that phrase is a little confusing on the surface. You have to dig beneath the surface to get to the root meaning, but it was actually a term that Peter had brought with him from his fishing days. Remember Peter, the fisherman? Remember Peter, the cursing fisherman? The lying fisherman? The, 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 the denying fisherman? Yeah, this is the same guy that's writing this book now. And he reaches back to that ancient past of his own life and he pulls a term up to describe what grace is trying to do in my life and yours and the word is mending nets when God says I want to make you perfect he said I want to mend the net that has been broken by life by circumstances by encounters 
by what you've had to live through, what you've had to suffer through. God said, my purpose here today is to help somebody get those things back together. I want to set that limb back in its place that's been dislocated by some injury in their life. I want to help put it back where it works properly. Can you understand that God's ministry today is to try to help mend some stuff in your life that's been tore apart? That's been ripped asunder. There's this big old gaping hole in your life. And your whole life is like a big hole. Everything you gather in. It's like a bag with a hole in it. You can't gather enough. Because the more you gather. The more you lose. And it just keeps going. It comes in one door and goes out the other. And God said hey. That's not how I want you to live. I don't want you to live a life. That's continually in this cycle of trying to reach to get. And then as soon as you get it's gone. Because there's holes in your life. And God said. I want to help you. I want to mend. I want to tie up those loose threads. I want to take those edges that have been frayed and those places of that net that have been ripped apart. I want to tie all that back together. Amen. Anybody feel like you need something tied back up in your life? Anything you feel like has been frazzled? I mean, it's down to a thread. It's just... It's nothing. God said, I want to, if you'll let me, my whole purpose here today, I want to, I want to get that net back in good working order because th- this is, this is what you have to understand. The only reason you mend the net is because there's a future for the net. The only reason God would take the time to mend the hole is because there's a harvest yet for you to reap and you can't reap it and enjoy it if you have holes in it. And so the whole reason that God is doing all of this is because he sees the future. He knows what's out there. He knows your potential. He knows what could happen in your life. And God's trying to put all these pieces together. So when you get there and you throw that net, you can pull in everything that God has destined and designed for your life. Amen. He's a... He's a harmonizer. I like harmony. Anybody like harmony? Amen. Is this on? Is it really on? Come on, I want you to turn it up. I'm going to show them my Liberace skills. Thank you. You didn't know I was so talented. That's exactly how some of us sound spiritually. Dysfunctional. Come on, Brother Ethan. I need you to help me now. Because this guy knows what to do when he's sitting here. I want you to play some real chords, okay? Real smooth, pretty stuff. Moody music, you know, kind of make you feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, what a difference. What? Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now do that. No, do what you did while ago. That's what God's trying to do with all these discordant notes, 
all this stuff, all these sounds that are going around, this clamoring, this, this demand, this pressure, this problem, this, this issue, and, 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 and we're, we're trying, we, we, and, and the truth is the music that comes out of our soul. It's just like me playing that horrible sound while we go. But this, this can make you want to worship. That other stuff just made you want to. Made you want to pull your hair. And some of you are right there right now. You're at the point in your life when you cannot make it work. You cannot make it work. And the harder you try to make it work, the more discordant it is. And what you really need is just the hand of grace to reach over and lay on top of yours. And then those hands can help you know where to go next. Which ones go together and what doesn't go together. That's, that's what grace is up to. Amen. I'm not going to finish this. I can't, I've got too much more to talk about maybe tonight. But maybe this is as far as God wanted us to go this morning. God's trying to put some harmony back in my life. He's trying to bring a song back in my soul. Hallelujah. Been so long since some of us have really sung. No, we do it when we come to church because we don't want anybody to know private pain. We don't want anybody to know what we're going through at home. And so we get here and we put on our mask and we say all the, we, we, we sing all of those words, but the song hasn't come. Amen. The song hasn't come. And what God wants to do is grace just wants to come and engulf you right now and say, come on, let me show you how it works. This one, this goes here. This key goes with that key. This chord goes with that chord. Ah, that's, that's what I want for your life. I don't want all this chaos. I don't want all this fighting going on, all this war, all this hate, all this bitterness. It's not what I want for you. You say that Brother Hughes, you don't know. You don't know what they've done to me. It doesn't matter what they've done to you. What matters is what God is wanting to do for you right now. He wants to put his hands on yours. So, okay, do this. Put, put it there. You know, the reason it sounded so bad while ago is because I don't know how to play. I don't. I try. But you can tell I need a lot of work. But grace has a way of Bringing all those chords together to make them sound the way they're supposed to sound. That is what God is up to this morning. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't have it in for you. He doesn't have a hit list with your name at the top. He's not waiting for the first opportunity to take you out. He said, oh, if you just get a little closer to you, 
If you just let me get a little closer to you, I have something I can do for you. I can heal that hurt. I can mend that heart that's broken. I can put those pieces back. I, I, I can make it. I, I can make it new because there's a harvest. There's something I still see down the road that you're going to have in your life. But right now in your present condition, you will never receive it. And even if you receive it, you couldn't keep it. Grace said, come on, let me help you get ready for your future. Let's stand together. God wants to help you get ready for your future. Thank you, Jesus. Just, just close your eyes for a moment. Just wait for, for just a few moments. If you're in a hurry to leave, you, you can feel free to quietly slip out right now. But if there's anybody here today that feel like that in your life, it's just, I, I feel useless. I feel like everything I do is wasted feel like all my efforts are in vain. The harder I try, the further behind I get. I need, I need somebody to help me. I need someone that can harmonize all of these sounds, all of this stuff going on in my life and bring harmony in my soul. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel Him near right now. I feel Him near right now. I feel His presence in this place right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you just say that with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Come on, I need you, Jesus. I need you to help me, Jesus. You're the only one that can help me, Jesus. You're the only one that can order my life. You're the only one that can restore. Oh, God, you're the only one that can mend me in my broken places. You're the only one, Lord, that can put me back where I belong. You're the only one that can put me on my feet. Oh, oh God, you're the only one that can help put me in that place where I am useful and productive again, Lord. You're the only one that can minister to the deepest hurt in my life. And God, help the scars to be effaced and erased. And help, Lord, the purpose to be recaptured and and all that has been lost, all of that loss come to an end. Amen. Fill in the holes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know what's hard to, for us to understand is that God is not offended by my defects. If anybody knew about defects, Peter knew about defects. 
If anybody knew about a volatile personality, Peter knew about. One minute, he's declaring him to be the Christ. And just a short time later, he's denying that he knows him. One moment he is standing and saying, Oh Lord, others may leave you, but I will never leave you. And less than 24 hours, he fled like the rest of them. If anybody knew about a discordant personality, a dysfunctional personality, Peter knew about it. And he said, I just want you to know what I've learned about God through all of my experience. He's writing this now as an old man. And he's looking back over his life and what grace had ministered to him. And he said, beyond a doubt, the greatest thing that grace has done for me is to repair the tears in my personality. The dysfunction in who I am. And to restore the ideal of my life. And to put me in a place of potential and possibility with a future and a hope. And the God of all grace shall make you perfect. Amen. Take somebody by the hand right now. Amen. Father, we love you today. You're in this place right now. You're wanting to help somebody. I'm just asking you, God, to help me. I don't know. I've gone as far as I know to go. I've said all I know to say, God. I don't know how to wrap this up. I don't know how to conclude this service. But I know that you're here right now. And I know you're talking to somebody in this building. Somebody, if they would just lift their hands. If they would just lift their voice and begin to cry out to you. That you would be there. That you would come with healing in your wings. Hallelujah. Healing the hurt. Mending the broken heart putting together the the shattered and fractured pieces of our life, making us whole, complete. Oh, Lord, you're doing that right now. You're doing that all over this building right now. I wish somebody would just respond to the grace of God that is shed abroad in this place right now in the Holy Ghost. Come on. There's a healer in the house. There's a mender in the house. Oh, there's a restorer in the house today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I need you to make me over today. I need you to make me over.